Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. It's so good to be here, man. It's such an honor for me to be able to speak today, and we've been in a fantastic series called First Things First. How many of you enjoyed this series? I mean, good. And, and we've heard about prioritizing things in our life like prayer, reading God's Word, and fasting. And today I'm going to finish it up with talking about God's plan for community. So let's pray together and we'll dive in. Father, we love you. Jesus, we thank you that you're the center of everything we do. And Lord, we just come today and we just declare with our hearts, our mouths, and with our lives that Jesus, we want more of you. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this spiritual community that you've blessed us with. And Lord, just have your way in us. I pray your spirit will just breathe on us, that you'll speak through me, that these words will not just be man's words, but I pray that there'll be words from the throne room of heaven. We thank you and we have hearts of expectation. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. You know, I was thinking this past week, there was a trip I went on, a mission trip, about two years ago to Estepona, Spain. And I went with five other guys from this church. And I want to encourage you, maybe you've never been on a mission trip before, man, go on a mission trip. It will change your life. It will impact you in such an amazing way. But I went on this mission trip, and, and we had been ministering to this church in Estepona, amazing church. And God was doing just incredible things. It's like each service, it was just more and more of God's Spirit being poured out. Well, at the end of the trip, uh, the, the second to last day, the, the pastor said, hey, guys, we're going to have an afternoon, free afternoon, so we're going to go down to the beach, and you guys can just hang out. And we thought, man, that sounds awesome. So we went to the beach, and, and we get there, and, you know, we, we don't really want to lay out. That's not what guys do. But uh, we, we saw these inflatables, uh, big old inflatables, out in the ocean. And all grown men love jumping on inflatables in the ocean, right, everybody? And so we're like, hey, let's, let's go swim out there and, and get on these inflatables. And I promise you, it might have been the coldest water I've ever been in in my life. We were the only ones, just the Americans were out in the water. And so we swim out there, and there was a guy, important person in the story, named Eddie. Everybody say Eddie. Eddie. Eddie was there, and Eddie was an Englishman. And he was swimming with us, and his son was there as well. And so we go out, we're swimming, we're jumping. We, like, turn over the inflatables. We're, we're playing on them so much. And finally we said, okay, that's enough. We've had enough uh, fun here. Let's swim back. And so we started swimming back. And I hear Jesse, and Jesse, by the way, is here this service. He's one of my closest friends. And Jesse, he is country, and he is calm. How many of you appreciate country people? Y'all don't like country people? What's up? <laughs> country and calm. And, and, and Jesse starts calling my name. And I promise you, this is exactly how I did it. I start swimming back. I'm ready to get out of the, the frigid water. And I hear him say, Dave, Dave, need a little help. That's what he said need a little help. And I turn around and I, I start going back. I'm like, great, what's going on? This is freezing. I start going back towards him. And, and he is holding Eddie. And he says this, he says, Eddie's struggling a little bit. Eddie's struggling. I look at Eddie's face. Eddie has a face of much more than struggle. <laughs> Eddie looks like he's sinking. He's scrapping, man. He's, he's hitting Jesse over the head. Jesse's just country and calm, man. He's like, can you come along this other side? We'll get Eddie back to safety. He swallowed some water. That's what he's saying. 
Eddie's not talking. Eddie's just like crying out. We get Eddie. I got one side. Jesse's got the other side. I'm panicking, and Jesse's just steady Eddie. And Jesse's, we're swimming back. Dave Latona came and helped us out. We get Eddie back to the beach, and Eddie was okay. He's going to be okay, but it was, it was a for real moment. We get him back to the beach. We lay him down like all the people. All the people in Spain, they come around him. The pastor's there. The pastor's like praying, man. He's praying over him. And, and Eddie, is he's trying to catch his breath. He's not saying a whole lot, but he's going to be all right, okay? He's going to be okay. It's clear. Eddie's going to be okay. And his son, I thought this was hilarious. Hopefully you do. His son, Thomas, is standing there, and he's not crying. He's not, he doesn't look perplexed. He's just staring at his dad, and he's saying this. He's saying, and he says it over and over. He says, and he said, is he going to die? <laughs> what? He says, yes, I'm looking at him. Is, is he going to die? We're like, somebody's not winning the faith award this month in church. And so I'm like, no, man, he's not going to die. He's okay. Speak some life over him. And so we take Eddie. Eddie actually gets in the ambulance, goes to, to the hospital. And the next day, we're all at church. And, and, man, it's just awesome. It's like the third song. How do you know the third song's like the song? And, and we're just worshiping. And the church is a smaller church. And it's got some double doors in the back. And they open up to just directly outside in the street. And we're in the third song. We're worshiping God, man. Spirit of God's moving. And they open the doors. And it's like the sunlight comes beaming in. It was like a movie. And here comes, guess who? Eddie comes through the door. And, man, they're like, hola, Eddie, cheering and celebrating. We're high-fiving. And it was incredible. And I thought that day, I thought, Lord, thank you so much that Eddie was not alone. God, thank you that Eddie had other people around him. And in fact, I want to highlight Jesse Rodriguez. You saved a man's life. Why don't you stand up, Jesse? We're family here. Clap your hands for Jesse Rodriguez. Calm, cool, and collective. That's a physical story, but it has very significant spiritual implications. Because here's the truth, and this might shock you. You can be praying, you can be reading, and you can even be fasting, and your life can still be overwhelmed by the waves of life. And I'm telling you, all of us, we need a Jesse in our life. All of us need people around us. And God's plan, we're going to look at this through Scripture. God's plan is for us to be in community. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to two different places. One is Genesis chapter 2. We'll be reading there first. And then in a moment, we'll look at Acts chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, I'm going to teach for a moment here. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, you see the account of creation. This is when God creates the heavens and the earth. And I love the Bible so much because you could read something dozens of times and still on the 30th time, you see something that you've never seen before. That's the power of the scriptures. It's alive. It's sharper than any two-double-edged sword. And as I was studying this this week, this, this thing just kept jumping off the page to me. And in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, these, this passage, these two chapters, are referred to as the song of creation. Everybody say that, song of creation. Called the song of creation. And there's a natural beat, there's a natural rhythm, and there are words that are used repetitively. And this is, in a snapshot, what it is. 
This is what it is, a song of creation. God spoke, and it was, and he saw it was good. Let's try it together. Ready? God spoke, and it was, and he saw it was good. One more time. God spoke, and it was, and he saw it was good. So this song is going, and this song has got the beat. It's got the rhythm. But then in chapter 2, it takes a turn. It just makes a drastic change. You'd be like in here, maybe you have a favorite song that we sing. It'd be like in here, you, you know that song, man, it's in you. You don't even need the screens. You don't have to look at the screens. You know that song. And, and maybe somebody's leading that song, and you close your eyes, and you're listening, you're singing, you're engaging, and then all of a sudden, er, the song changes. It would catch your attention, and it's in here for a reason. The change of the song is in here for a reason. This is what it says, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord said... It's the first time God make, makes reference about his creation. Every other time it says that he saw it was good. And the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. The song has an abruption. There is a change. And, and, and this is the thing. As I was thinking about this, I thought about a couple of things. One is this, that God said it was not good for man to be alone, that he said that even in a state of perfection. No sin had entered yet. And God sees Adam and he says, it is not good for him to be alone even before there was sin. Not only that, but when you read something like this, you come across something like this, you got to ask yourself questions. You know, because this is the thing. God is perfect. Can I have a good amen? God never misses it. God has never had a bad idea. He didn't look at man and think, oh man, I can't believe I didn't place community around him. I can't believe I didn't put Eve around him. He didn't make a mistake there. I make mistakes all the time. Anybody make mistakes? I was thinking this past week, my wife reminded me of a mistake I made seven years ago. She's a fantastic lady. She said, you remember the time I was in my third trimester with our first child and I told you, she, did, she came to me and she said, look, I'm just getting so big. And I said, I know. <laughs> Listen to me. Husband's mistake, don't do it. She said, did you just confirm what I just said? I said, I don't know, I'm confused. <laughs> we make mistakes. We miss it. We have bad ideas. Anybody had a bad idea before? God never has a bad idea. God never looks back and said, oh man, Holy Spirit, where were you? I didn't hear you. We, we missed this one. God never does that. And this is the point in which I'm sharing this. God put this in the text and he calls this sequence of events to occur like this, not because he missed it, but he put it there and he arranged it this way because he doesn't want us to miss it. And God is making a clear point here at the beginning of creation. I have called you into community. Now just fast forward. This is what takes place. Sin enters. Sin distorts. Sin fractures the relationship that existed between humanity and God. And we know that. We know that Adam and Eve, they went and they hid when they sinned. But sometimes what we miss is that it also fractured the relationship among humanity, that they covered themselves. There was shame among themselves. But this is the great news. Y'all ready for some good news? Come on, y'all ready for some good news? Jesus would come, and he would restore and redeem that which was lost in creation that God had instilled in creation. It is not good for man to be alone, even in a state of perfection. It's not good. Jesus came and he restored the relationship in the community between man and God and also one another. 
And that's what you have in Acts chapter 2 is the birth of the church. Jesus came. He lived. He died. He was buried. And he was resurrected. And the resurrection is power. Amen, everybody? The power of resurrection. And he initiated the church. I love Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. The first time that the church is made reference to or spoken of in the Bible, ecclesia, a congregation of believers, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How many of you are glad that 2,000 years later, think about this, 2,000 years later, here we are today, just one community, just one congregation of hundreds and hundreds of thousands that are gathering right now across the globe, that the church is not weak, the church is not dead. Governments tried to stop it. Kings tried to kill it. Persecution came. Tribulation happened. Man will fall short. But Jesus says, I will build my church, and my church will not be like that of the community of the Garden of Eden, but this church will last forever. Come on, if you believe it, give God a great hand clap of praise in here. It'll last forever. And I just think it's amazing. That right now as we're gathered, that we have brothers and sisters, we have spiritual family. When you say yes to Jesus, you are, you are grafted into spiritual family. We have spiritual family who are worshiping right now in the Middle East. And they're doing so in secret. We got people and family members spiritually who right now, they're worshiping in Asia right now. We got people in South America who are worshiping. We got people all across this globe that are worshiping Jesus. And I love the fact that the devil might try to stop the community of God, but he will not prevail. Because our God, Jesus, when he makes a promise, you can take it to the bank. It will happen. And Jesus says, I will be the one who will build this spiritual community. And nothing, absolutely nothing will be able to stop it. And that's what you and I get to be a part of. What an amazing privilege. What an amazing honor that we get to be a part of something that's so much bigger than ourselves, that it's global, and Jesus Christ is the very head of it. Acts chapter 2 says this. It says every day, it gives us a picture of what they did. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Just a couple of points here. First thing is this, the early church, as, they were, as it was birthed, they had massive momentum. And one day, 3,000 people got saved. Peter stood up in Acts chapter 2, and he preached an amazing message, and people said yes to Jesus. A couple chapters later, 2,000 people got added to the family of God. So you have this massive momentum of the greatest message on the face of the earth, the message of the cross, bearing and resurrection, that we can be saved by grace. And people responding to the greatest news, saying, Lord, I'm a sinner, but I need you as a Savior. And people being added to the church. And this is what they did. They met to, together consistently. They made coming to the temple courts or coming to church a practice. It was part of their lives. It wasn't just an option. Church wasn't just a hobby. It was part of their life. And they would come together. And I love this church. Man, how many thankful for this church? That was weak. Man, I'm thankful for this house. And we get to come in here and man, I pray when we come in here as we're doing what they did in the early church, that we come in here and we have hearts of expectation and anticipation for what Jesus is going to do. And we're just coming here, well, here we go again. It's Sunday. Guess we'll go to church. No, we wake up and man, God's done something inside of us. Man, he saved me. He's redeemed me. He's restored me. And I can't wait to get to the house of God. Man, I might not know the songs that are going to be singing. But I'm going to engage anyway. And we do our best. Listen, I love you. But we do our best to get here on time. 
If, if, if you love something, you'll be inconvenienced for it. And I thought about it this way. I thought about like if you go into a great LSU football game, okay, and you don't get there in the second quarter. Y'all with me? You get there before the game starts. Why? Because the first 30 seconds, LSU might score 21 points. I mean, you know, that'd be a miracle. You get there because you can't wait. Man, you, you, you're hungry. You come to church and, man, there's excitement in the air. We, we get in this room, we get in this house, and, and Pastor Mike's preaching. Man, the colossal apostle, he's too blessed to be depressed. He's too anointed to be disappointed. And he's preaching. I'm here not because I have to be, because I want to be. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're the best-looking thing you've seen all day. How many of them that makes you feel a little awkward? Let's just be honest in here. Don't know you. This is weird. I'm married. But he's preaching. And, man, we're leaning in. And we just can't wait to get the word. Because we know we're going to need that word this week. We know we need to be fed. Man, I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect. But I serve the one who is. And I love it that we get to come in an environment like this. And the early church practices this. This is what they did. And I love that we have kids' spaces. That our kids are learning God's word in a creative and engaging way. Both upstairs and downstairs. Last week, my little girl... Adeline, I, I love all my kids, but I really love my little girl a lot. <laughs> I mean, I love my boys, but oh, I love her. She comes to me. She's saved already. I'm not sure about them. She comes to me, and she's like, she's three. She's just so cute. She comes to me, and she just starts saying, I didn't even entice her or ask her. She said, there's nothing too hard for God. I said, what did you just say? She said, there's nothing too hard for God. She did her arm like that a second time. I thought, that is beautiful. What's happening? Church being a consistent part of life, it is impacting her life. It is shaping her. And I know, listen, I'm going to be real with you. I, I, I'm real with you. Because these things, it, it can happen to me too. So I'm not judging anybody. But I know what the enemy does. He will look for any excuse for us not to gather. Well, honey, I see a dark cloud out there today. Looks like it's going to rain. Guess we'll be sleeping in this morning. Kids, go back to bed. Uh, or, uh, heaven forbid, it drops below 60 degrees. <laughs> we don't know what to do when it drops below 60. <laughs> like, what's this? It's called winter. <laughs> and, and, and we don't come to church and we look for all these excuses and even, even good things. Man, it's a beautiful day. Sometimes the enemy, you will use the blessings of God to take away from what God wants to do. And maybe God's blessed you, and you have resources, and then there's a consistency of missing the house of God. And I get it, you're going to go out of town. Man, go out of town, have fun. But make church a priority. When you're in town, come to church. If you miss in the morning, you come back in the afternoon, come to five. Why? Because God has a plan for community, and this environment is significant, and you never know what might happen. You get in here. And man, you never know. That song that we're singing, you might get the breakthrough you've been praying for. The, the person next to you, I love the, the story of Paul and Silas. They're praising. They get their chains broken off. And also everybody around them, their chains gets broken off. You never know. You might be praising God. You might be elevating the name of Jesus. And the person next to you, they don't even know Jesus yet. But because of the Spirit of God on you and in you, it starts moving around them and chains start falling off. I just wonder. 
Do we really have an expectation? Do I have an expectation when I come to the house of God that absolutely anything is possible? That's good preaching. You can clap your hands. That's good stuff. So they came together consistently. They met in the house of God. And this was the other thing they did. It says that they gathered together in smaller environments, smaller groups, and it says that they ate together. The actual words that are used that it says they broke bread together. And I know most of us aren't saying, hey, would you like to break bread today? That sounds very, very, very spiritual. But the thing that the text is saying is this. It's that they did ordinary things together with Christ as the center. They would go hang out. They would eat. They would, if there was football back in the day, they would go watch football together. Being a Christian does not mean you have to be boring. Can I have a better amen? You can have fun. You can do things. You can go out to dinner. Man, you can have, have a good time. But I love the fact that they moved from just coming to a building or a certain place because they understood that church is not just about a location. They understood that they were the church. And it matters. Listen to me, my friend. It matters who you lock arms with in life. And sometimes we look at our life and we think, man, why is all this stuff happening? Why is there no fruit? Maybe we're locked arms with people who are not heading in the direction we need our life to head in. And I grew up, man, I grew up, and if I, if I heard it once, I heard it a million times. Teenagers, you need to make sure you hang out with the right crowd. And that's true, but guess what? It's true also for a 34-year-old. It's true for a 55-year-old and a 65-year-old. Who you're around will determine who you become. And they did life together. Man, Jesus was a sinner. Talking about God doesn't have to be weird and awkward. And sometimes we just act like, ooh, did you say Jesus? It's not weird. If he's done something in you, then you got something to share. you got a story to tell. And over just eating dinner, going to people's houses, meeting at coffee shops, that's why we talk about small groups here. And, man, I wish I could preach it like I felt it because I believe in it so much that as you start to move from this environment, and this environment has so much importance, but you can come here and still live a life of isolation with thousands of people around you. But when you start to do life with others and share, this is what's happening in my world. I need prayer for this. I'm going through this. And you start keeping Jesus in your conversation with other people. It will do amazing things for your life. I talked about Jesse earlier. Jesse's in my small group. I see Rhett Spanner there. He's in my small group. There's several men that I meet with, about 10 of them, every other Friday. And I'm telling you, those guys, they have impacted my life so much. You know, I go in there. It's not like I'm going in there and I'm preaching. We just talk about life, talk about Jesus and the conversations, man, the insights that these guys have. And here's the thing. So many of you, I'd say all of us, every single one of us who's a Christian, God has given you spiritual gifts. Some of you have had tremendous wisdom. Some of you have amazing God-given discernment. Some of you have ability to teach. Some of you have ability to, to pray in great faith. And if you're not gathering together in smaller environments, then those gifts will be dormant in your life. Make it a priority. Man, make gathering together. And all of us are busy. Everybody in here is busy. But God's plan is for community. I joke about it, and it's true. Pastor Mike, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to embarrass him, but he's, he, he has a lot on his plate. And he does, I'm blown away. Like, I, I preach every few months, and I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, help me. He preaches every weekend. And he has all these things going on, and he prioritizes small group community in his life. You know why? Because he knows it's important to God. And he knows this, 
that any of us, all of us are susceptible and all of us need people around us. It is God's game plan. Y'all getting something out of this? Okay, let me give you just two thoughts. Two thoughts in closing. Two thoughts. If you will make gathering together in spiritual community a priority, if you'll make it a way of life, then you, you can take it to the bank. These two things will take place in your life. The first one is this, is you'll start to have better and right perspective. I am blown away by how quickly my perspective of life can get jaded. It's astounding to me that I'll be going through something and I'll just get this negative bent and this critical attitude and I'll be questioning God and wondering why is this happening and, and, and asking all these questions. There's nothing wrong with asking questions, but your perspective truly does determine the direction your life heads in. How you think, everybody look at me for a moment. How you think matters big time. And the enemy is the deceiver of all deceivers. And he does his absolute best work in isolation. And we've got to have people around us. It reminded me of a time when me and my wife and our three kids, they were four, two, and an infant at a time. And we were going to Ohio where my family lives, or I'm sorry, where Bethany's family lives. We're going to Ohio and we were getting on a plane. And, and let me tell you something. If you want to know how you're doing spiritually, get on a plane, you and your spouse, with three babies. And you'll learn quick how spiritual you are in the Lord and your sanctification process. So we get on the plane and, and, and it's, it's, it's not man coverage, it's, it's zone defense. If you have more than two kids, you know what I'm talking about. You're playing zone. And, and my wife has, has two kids, and, and I had the privilege and, and just blessing of the Lord to have one of our children who you would have thought I gave him a, an entire Red Bull before we got on this plane. <laughs> and, and he is, I know none of y'all's kids ever act up, but he is like bouncing all over the place. He's pulling on the tray table. He's, he's like grabbing my ear. He, he's, he's just pushing everything. He's lifting up the, the window. He, he's doing everything. And I, I'm so frustrated. I feel so trapped because we believe in discipline. I, I, we practice discipline in a right way, in a godly way. We don't discipline. This is our conviction. We don't, we don't discipline our children in public. We do it in private. But this is the thing. How many of you have ever experienced the smallness of the bathroom on a plane? <laughs> it's like they thought, hey, let's build this for a four-foot, 100-pound man. Be fantastic. <laughs> There's no way I'm taking my kid into that bathroom and disciplining him. So I'm just out of it. I don't know what to do. Bethany, her children are doing fantastic. Mine is not doing well. And I'm getting so frustrated. I'm threatening his life. I'm saying all this stuff. And it's not helping at all. And, and finally, something, something amazing happened, which I had to repent later. But something amazing happened. The, the stewardess, one of the, the main ladies, she comes on, and you know they do their whole spill. And he looks at me. And he says, what did she say? And I said, I will tell you what she said. I said, she just said, if any kids on this flight don't listen to their parents and obey what they're saying, sit still like a little good boy for the rest of the flight, then all I have to do is push this button right here. And I will do it. I will push this button. And she said that her, along with her other amazing team of stewardesses, will come and take that child to the belly of the plane where there is a cage. Literally, I said it. A cage that they will lock that child for the duration of the flight until we land at our destination. That's what she just said. 
We're clapping for lying in here. And his eyes got so big and he looked at me and then he sat there, I promise you, he's never been that good in his life. For the whole time, he did not move. He wouldn't even look at the stewardess. Would you like some crackers? No, ma'am. Wouldn't even look at her. Bethany, true story, she looks at me and she says, what did you do? I lied to him. <laughs> Deceit works. This is why I tell that story. Because there are many people, I'm telling you, there are many people who are locked in the cage of deceit. And the only way that you get out is the truth of God's word. The only way. And we have got to have right perspective. The only way is, is if we're heading down a path, and it can happen to me, it can happen to Pastor Mike, it can happen to anybody. We're heading down a path that is not honoring to God, but it feels right, it seems right to us. If we don't have community around us that says, hey, you're growing the wrong direction. I love you too much not to tell you the truth. God's still for you. God still loves you. But you need to change your direction back towards the things of God. And I want that in my life. Pride pushes away people who try to help you out. Humility says, hey, I'm susceptible to deceit. And the enemy loves deceiving God's people in order us for us to miss what he has for us to go through. you got to have people in your life. Proverbs says this. It says this about a friend, a true friend. It says, wounds from a sincere friend, somebody who really loves you, somebody who really has your back are better than the kisses from an enemy. Sometimes the greatest protection in our life is correction. And none of us, I get it, none of us are just dying to be corrected. And it needs to be in the right way. Some people love correcting people. And you need to back off a little bit. Love correcting people. It's got to be in the right spirit. It's got to be in the right way. But here's the thing, just like I started out with, Man, the waves of life can overcome you. The, the devil and his schemes, I, I hope you know that even though we live in a physical environment, we are in spiritual war. And he does everything he can to deceive and to mislead. But as you get people around you, speak truth to you in love, it is amazing how God will use that to save us from so much. I... I I didn't take time to do this last service, but I just feel it in here. I strongly encourage you, get plugged in. Get plugged in. This church is an amazing church. This isn't the church God has for you. There are great churches all across this, this city. Get plugged into a local body. Move from just attending church to being the church throughout the week with people around you that you can encourage, that can encourage you, and that you can speak truth to, and they can speak truth to you. And watch your life. I challenge you, just do it for a year. Watch your life flourish. So God's word says, Psalms 92, blessed are those who are planted in the house of the Lord for their lives will flourish. Last thing is this. Y'all still with me? Last thing is this, is you can expect not just right perspective, but you can expect power. James says this, if anyone among you, is anyone among you sick? There's a question. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. 
And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses or sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. There is power in community. There is deliverance in community. Isn't it amazing that God put healing, spiritual and physical in the context of community? You know why he did? Because community is his plan. It's not option B. It is his original plan that we saw in Genesis that carries over in the book of Acts. And I just am crazy enough. I'm crazy enough to believe this. Now the Bible says that healings will happen. Salvation will happen. Deliverance will happen. Kids that have gone wayward, but you start praying together, it's one thing to stand in agreement alone. It's another thing when you start locking arms with other people and you say, hey, I need you to go to war with me. There's something going on in my life. There's a battle raging on. And the scripture says that one will send a thousand to flight, but two will send 10,000 to flight. And as we gather around community, and we say, I need prayer over this, or I'm believing in this. I'm believing for my marriage. I'm believing for my finances. I'm believing for my kids, whatever it may be. I'm just crazy enough to believe that God's spirit can show up and do the absolute impossible. Y'all believe that? Anybody believe that? I pray this year, 2017, is a year where your life flourishes. It does so because you are connected in community. I pray this year you will see things you've been praying for for years occur and take place. I pray as you gather around individuals that, man, you are delivered. There's so many times people walk in bondage and addiction, but they get around and they confess their sins one to another, and God says, I am into that. I will deliver you from that, and boom, the supernatural takes place. Something you thought, there's no way I'll ever be able to shake this. But God says, when you gather together, and you do community, and you're part of spiritual community, I am able to do things that you never thought possible. Amen, everybody. Can we clap our hands for God's word this morning? Come on, give him a great hand clap of praise in this place. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.